Hey guys, welcome back to AWR. Are we rolling? Episode 35. Um, we're back in a normal recording recording schedule until my words can really figure it out. Um, but we're back my in center. my yep. room again. Yep, yep, yep. So, so. That, uh, that means... <laughs> that means that it's just the both of us tonight. Yep, uh, yep, my yep, name yep. is Garrick. Yep, and my name is Derek. Um, what shall we update the date? I mean, we have no particular... It's um, another slow of, news yeah. day. So, you know, we try to come up with uh, things that we can talk about. Yeah. I guess most notably, you know, what we just witnessed, uh, the, the updates about about the RMCO. Yeah. And yeah, because yeah, uh, we, we were sort of anticipating the worst, which is that, you know, MCO is going to start again and then yeah. we would have to all work from home. But apparently not. Apparently, mm. uh, our... Our PM is uh, feeling safe enough that, you know, we can continue on even though the numbers are increasing day by day. It's, it's a bit weird. So, I mean, for the context, um, at the time of recording, um, uh, the PM just had the official, you know, um, press conference, like about, like, what, few hours back? I think six o'clock in the afternoon. Then we were kind of like, you know, like what Garrick said, we were kind of like expecting the worst of like waiting for MCO 2.0 to kickstart back up again. And then, um, I'm kind of like on the other camp of like, let's not go for that. But, you know, again, what can we as a normal citizen do anyway? Because, you know, on my side of things, jobs are slowly um, picking back up and then shoots are slowly picking back up again. And I'm seeing that happen to every facet of our industry the same way. So if there's another MCO about, I don't, I mean, it's the, for the long haul kind of a thing. But yeah, I mean, apparently I haven't really watched the press conference. I tried was it, like was, it was it was just very long again. It's like it's as, yeah. uh, it was it is exactly like you expected from like the previous ones. I don't yeah. know who the scriptwriter is for him or like his speechwriter, but like it just goes on and on. It feels like it's yeah, yeah, he, he, he just like talks about one topic and then like expands even more and then it yeah. doesn't really amount to anything. Before he's dropping the ball on an important announcement, which yeah, not, yeah. Not, I mean, not much has been made. Like. I mean, is there is is there MCO being held in Sabah over right now? Uh, because as far I've as seen... I know, they are containing uh, yeah, Sabah they... and not. I think not letting anyone in and out because it's like the most affected area, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah. people on the things... east coast, you know, just have to just stay put. Yeah, things things are slowly. Yeah. I mean, on our side here, aside from the you know from the usual shopping mall cases of like. Uh, let's let's run it up. Uh, we've seen uh, Pyramid. Uh, we've seen like Wan Otama. Uh, I've heard cases in Paradigm as well. Um, KLCC, New, New Central, KLCC. Yeah, the Link, KL, and uh, uh, those are like super scary places which are, you know, frequently populated by like hundreds of thousands of people per week. So it's like, it's insane amount of people going in and out of that, those and, places. And the strange thing is that a lot of them are, uh, well, a lot of them have said that it's the staff that yeah. is usually the infected one, Correct. not the not the like citizen citizens. So mm. make of it what you will. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I we, we don't really know who these staff are, if they're local or not. You know, some of them might not yeah. be. So, uh, you know, just just stay away from all these public places for now. Yeah. Look, I'm of the opinion on, you know, because the very first news that we've seen about like how shops are closed, like. The very first one I've heard was like the Nike store was like, you know, shut down in Sami Pyramid because they suspected one of the employee tested positive for COVID. 
the thing is though, I mean, by shutting down one single store, okay, this is this is unpopular opinion, I think, but by shutting down one store, I don't think that's gonna solve much bigger problem than it, because you know. It's Did they a, shut down the store, the whole the whole mall? They should, yeah. Didn't they shut down Correct. the whole mall? I don't know. They 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 carried out. I mean, what they do is they they shut down Nike store, and then what they do is that they do like deep cleansing met uh. This whole uh, cleansing operation being yeah. carried out on it's after hours. It's just and lots of stuff. Correct. So, I mean, you're basically like, um, um, you know, you're purging the mall during after hours when you when the malls are closing down. But, uh, like, like, you know, but common sense wise, you know, who, who, who do, how do we know if the employee doesn't really travel from one place to another and then touching the stuff and then you have like hundreds of people touching the same stuff. You know, it's, a, it, it's, by imagining the infection rate and how fast it spreads and all that, so yeah, I mean, you imagine you're imagining the the, the domino effect, you know, where yeah. one thing will keep leading to another thing, yeah. and so all it just this, all it just takes is one single yeah, location. Yeah, the safest would be to close the whole mall down, which I think Correct. they would have, right? I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of like red tapes to go through and like people <laughs> making noise, and I'm pretty sure we would still subang people would want to go go back to pyramid once and oh, yes. now and then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. I've seen I've seen pictures of like dead malls in like places like Subang and like like some pyramids and stuff like how they announced the cases and then people were like not going there anymore and otherwise uh the days would be f- usually filled with with crowds and stuff and then so it's safe to say people are kind of paranoid of the I mean kind of like really really being really careful with the situation with the situation that changes you know I'm I'm for for case for casing I don't know I'm I'm foreseeing um, it's gonna be a very quiet, uh, like Christmas and New Year's. Oh yeah, it's not gonna be any of those like very big celebrations of people going out, right? Because it's it's definitely gonna take a while for yeah. us to really get down to zero and then maintaining it there. So yeah, it's gonna be a nice indoor homey uh holiday period yeah. from from then on. I usually like Christmases, uh, at malls. I mean, during Christmases are fine. I mean, it's 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 Kind of okay. We got Chinese New Year out of the way early in the year, and then we have like, uh, um, Hari Raya crowds are like kind of like bummed down by the fact that we have to stay in home, and then we uh we have like Deepavali around the corner, and then we have like Christmas around the corner, and if these things get continue on and on, we might be looking like Chinese New Year at home as well. If this thing, you know, Chinese New Year twenty twenty one, we'll be spending at home as well if these things continues, but. Yeah, I mean, we, we we have like a few more months to, to look into that. Yeah, and definitely how it, uh, you know, involves working people and especially people yeah. who are people who are creatives, right? Mm. Um, people in productions and if they can't yeah. shoot, you know, they're going to go back to being unemployed again. And yeah, that's a scary trying situation. Trying to be creative for, to like yeah. shoot on their own or something, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll just wait and see, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, other than that, uh, we'll move on to a uh, little brief news um, about our, our local scene. Um, so far, we, we've got, we, we've heard about, uh, you know, the, the Tokyo International Film Festival. Pretty, pretty mm. big Asian festival. Um, and there are two films, uh, lo- local Malaysian films that will be playing there. One of them is uh, a premiere by Edmund Yeo. Um, his new film yeah. called Malu. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be it's gonna be premiered there. And if you don't know Edmund Yo, he his latest film was Akarat, which was yes. 
pretty uh was which was well received quite critically as well. I haven't mm. really seen it yet, but uh, I'd be interested to. Short film or feature? No, no, it's film? a feature. Oh, really? Yeah, right. it's hey, about the uh, I think the Rohingya the, the immigrants, yeah, immigrants, yeah. 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 Yep, yep. And yeah, he's, I always had a wrong impression that it was a short film <laughs> for some reason. Oh, it's, okay. it's been known to make uh pretty uh pretty good features um and he does I think a lot of collaborations with uh yeah. Japan because yeah. he yeah, yeah. he works between both uh, Japan and Malaysia. Closely, yeah. yeah, and his uh his latest film uh it's called Malu uh it's basically about two sisters and then. Uh, one of them goes missing and the other has to find her. And mm. it's apparently filmed um, within three years because it started in September 2017. Okay. And he, 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 the, the, the challenge of shooting it is he has to shoot it within uh, very specific seasons in Japan. Wow. So like okay, he okay, would okay, only have to shoot like in winter or, or right, autumn right, and then you know the next he has to wait again for next year <coughs> to like shoot in a specific kind of season again. Yeah. So it, it took him a bit a while well, to, to complete de- it. Depending uh. on which part of Japan he is, the winters over there can be like extremely harsh. Like uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's uh I guess it's nice, you know, to see a local film premiering there and then uh an old oh. film by Yasmin Ahmad called Muxin. Is, yeah. uh, it was being was digitally restored into 4K I saw that yeah, yeah, yeah it's gonna yeah. be playing there as well yeah. uh, have, you, have you seen Muxin? I saw Muxin oh, yeah. a, a long time a long ago while. yeah it's been a long while since I've seen that film I think I must have still been studying in college when I first mm. seen the film yeah it's is, the, it, is it the one with the little girl yeah the, like yeah, the, yeah, the prequel yeah. yeah yeah supposedly <laughs> spiritual yeah, yeah. prequel yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh, it's Kind of like the third installment of the correct the in the uh, orchid series, orchid, yeah. orchid trilogy. Yeah, yeah. the I'm first one Stepan, yeah. second was Gubra, Gubra, and, and uh, uh, the third one's Muxin. Yeah. I I didn't really enjoy Gubra a lot. I think, uh, or at least I don't remember much of it. I don't remember much of it. I don't remember if I ever seen it. Oh, no, 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 no. I I I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but it's a very it's one of those. You know, it's one of those almost forgettable sequel that, you know, people mm. f- kind of forgot that it's kind of like connected to Sepe in such a way that, yeah, it's one of those in her filmography. I think it revolved more around the themes of religion and, Correct. Uh, yeah, it was like more serious than Sepe, which mm. I guess. There was one yeah. more film that touches on religion later on, actually. It was like one film. It, it was after Muxin or before Muxin. Um, I couldn't remember... Couldn't remember the title of the life of me, but yeah, it's mm. uh, it's yeah. But uh, yeah, nice to see uh, a Yasmin Ahmad film being uh, you know appreciated by by others by Japanese mm. people. Um, mm. uh, you know, every time people uh, try to make a film that resembles Yasmin Ahmad, try yeah. to have that 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 Yasmin Ahmad look or feel or right. tone language. Yeah, uh, yeah. How, how how do you feel about that? Do you feel it's like a good thing? It's a, um, every time, every time people try to do, uh, films or contents in that kind of mold in that, like, you know, ones that focuses on like racial harmony and like, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's always going to be, uh, uh, being thrown into that group whereby, you know, you get criticized by other people. Okay. You're trying too hard to be Yasmin Ahmad and, and all that. I don't see it as a particularly bad thing. You know, I mean, filmmakers are storytellers in general and then they are, a very uh, free to showcase whatever story that it, that it think might suit on the big screen or even small screen in general. 
So, um, I, I mean, copying street is not exactly the word I would want to use. It's more like, you know, they would use words like homages and inspired, mm. in, in, you know, inspired by Yasmin Ahmad and stuff. Well, I guess and, um, uh, it, it's supposed to be a form of flattery, right? When people are yeah. copying or like imitating yeah. your work. I mean, good and the bad way, yeah, I yeah. guess, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, get accused too much of like, I'm fine with if you're following Yasmin Ahmad's footstep of trying to tell that story in that in that same sensitivity that she has. Um, but if your film ultimately, if your story ultimately doesn't amount to anything, I don't think anybody will ever capture that value that you're trying to present. So, moral of story, just make good films. Yeah. You know, don't, you know, don't try to follow anyone else's, uh, it's, you know. It's, it's good to get inspiration yeah. and, you know, you... It's definitely not, there's definitely not a lot of filmmakers in Malaysia that you yeah. can say, oh, I want to copy that person's work, you know, yeah. exactly. I mean, it only speaks to the legacy of her work, you know, because, because I mean, you went to any, any Malaysians that are walking down the streets right now, like 10, 9 out of 10 of them would definitely remember one or two of her ads back in the day without realizing that she was the one who directed the same thing or even wrote the same thing, you know, we're familiar with the, with the, with the Petronas commercials and um, all the other commercials that she have copyright and and all that stuff, and we known her for that. You know, we 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 kind of like not really familiar with her uh, filmography, so to speak. You know, I mean, Sepe, it was like widely received by every Malaysians, and then um, I we wish we could say the same thing for her other films as well. But you know, that's I mean, as a as a as a film goer, it's kind of like a depressing fact that you know her films might not be. Uh, well received in the box office and whatnot. I mean, that'll be interesting to research. Well, I'm not too sure what's the box office rates for her films back in the day, but people remember her for her ads. You know, it's people always pull back those references of those commercials that, yeah, back in the day we do, we did do some kick-ass commercials. You know, like like commercials which, which touches our heart and really, um, change a form of thinking and really pushes what commercial can do even in our own country. You know, it changes. Changes what Patronas means. It changes like the things that they want to do from here on out. And we, since her passing, we've always seen like various directors trying to fit into that mold of like trying to tell that familiar-looking stories through a more modernized lens. You know, uh, you know, like people like uh, Quick, you know, who did more most most of the commercials for Patronas nowadays. And yeah, I mean, there will always be successes uh, of people who will tell stories like this. You know, they always will be. Yeah. Um. Her her legacy is definitely very impactful. Yeah. But I think for for young filmmakers, especially, you know, it's uh, you can you can think of her as the inspiration, but definitely follow your voice, follow yeah. your direction. You know, a lot of uh very exciting filmmakers uh are making interesting stuff. Yeah. It's like well, like Edmund Yeo, for example, or Edmund like Emil as one who did role. Uh, yeah, a, a lot. By night, a lot of yeah. people trying new things. Quite you know, as well. To some to, degree, yeah, trying, you know, it's trying to bring Malaysian movies to another level. You know, we don't yeah. want to keep milking that that cow oh. until there's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, it's, is there is there any? I mean, just off the top of my head, is there any Hollywood? I mean, is there any filmmakers which you compare Yasmin Ahmad to? Like in terms of her work of like her. Her lens by which she used to view humanity and 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 the you know the the, the stuff she wrote. So like, what what are the closest comparison to filmmakers and storytellers you could think of who are like working in Hollywood who maybe have had working had had work in Hollywood in the past few mm. 
mm-hmm. years and even during the years that she was very actively working on, you know. Like local I, or? I mean, local and international Hollywood. I guess a lot, a lot of people say like her films, they kind of look like documentaries. Because yeah. uh, the camera doesn't really move much. It's, yeah. it's quite static and it, it gives you like a, a more over, uh, like a overall picture of yeah. of the story. Um, it's a very much an art house kind of thing. Right? Bit, when you think about I, it, I mean, when you think about her films, art house doesn't really necessarily comes to mind. But when we're really talking it in this kind of context, yeah. you know, uh, long it's, language. It's, white shots and I guess it, it resembles a little bit of French New Wave because yeah, it's correct. Uh, it's it's sort of well, along those lines of uh, in terms of style and, mm. and structure as well except maybe the cinema verite thing yeah, you know, I don't yeah. usually view that technique being frequently used in her films mm. I mean that could be it could be a very interesting way to look at her filmography nowadays. Yeah, you, you in could, the context of you like, could think of her films film. as like uh, like French New Wave but with heart <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like. You know, like um, I think closely resemble neorealism, but yeah, it's it's, it's it's Andy would be able to tell us more about this. Could, I'm pretty yes, sure the, the tell film us genius. Uh, yeah, yeah, Andy. Uh, yeah, if you're listening, please tell us exactly what you think her films uh, yeah. are represented by. You know, or who rep. I know. I I like cop like not copies, but like yeah. I mean, represents uh, right. Yeah, in her a way. inspirations. Inspirations. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I mean, um, I've read names like you know Yazu Jiro Ozu being her you know being her go to references and stuff, and Ozu films are are you know when you think about it, it, it really fits in the same mold of like of like characters looking at humanity, but it's yeah, it's mm. it's mainly that kind of way of thinking. Yep. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Those two films for the at the Tokyo International Film Festival. If you're there right now, uh, do catch it. If yeah. if, if 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 we have any Japanese listeners, um, <laughs> konnichiwa. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. I love Japan, man. I I really miss. Oh yeah, my time I miss Japan. Japan as well. I, I love really, everything really about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've never really attended any film festivals there, but I kind of wish I did. Yeah. But we should definitely. Do that when traveling is permitted one day. I know I uh, wish I could like just take a year and just go to like different film festivals and like yeah. experience the uh, films, experience the place and the people and I all wish that. I have that much money to begin with <laughs> and that much connection to have someone, for me to attend. Someone needs to create a job we, to like as a like a film no. critic, right? Yeah, cre- I mean film critics are basically the only one that they send to yeah. and being paid for for attending this kind of film festivals and write about the things that they watch. You know, so. I mean, film criticism and film theory in Malaysia alone is not stellar to begin with. Yeah. So I think... Don't even mention not stellar. I don't think it's a known um, yeah. um, market over here. I don't think we have any... But well, the mean, only film we criticisms have? we have is either from your newspaper or like or from YouTube, YouTubers or Facebook <laughs> status. Yeah. <laughs> that's the... Uh, that's the... That's the film criticism we have these days i mean there, there are a few vloggers and stuff who are like quite well known in the in the in the, in the malaysian content creator space that actively gave out like film criticisms and stuff you know they would review films and stuff but yeah i'm not really active um um, um watchers of those contents but are you are you the type of person where after you watch the film you like to tell people about it like in detail or stuff or not, probably not and it's and as an in detail but i mean the the habit i always have like whenever i watch a really cool exciting stuff and then i would always immediately want to text someone about it so i would immediately send out you have to see this film you have to see this film you have to see this film 
what's the film about? I have no idea. You just have to see it. You know, that, that kind of a thing. True text and stuff. And then I don't really necessarily like blurted out like long text of why the film is worth watching. I just like give you the title, who directed it. Okay, now go. Go watch the film I, as you please. I've received some of those texts before. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, you know, um, I have grown out of that phase. I used to be really, 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 really knee deep into that phase last time when I was in college. But slowly as the years go by and then slowly as you're becoming older and then slowly you're becoming more and more jaded of like recommending films. You, you feel like sharing less, right? In a way. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I do. I mean, even nowadays, I feel kind of like, you know what? I'm going to watch that thing. I don't care if you've watched it. <laughs> I don't really give a shit about whether you watch that thing. I'm going to watch your show. The least you could, I could do is that I would IG story it and then that's it. You know, I don't really uh, shout it through the rooftop of saying like, you have to watch the film because I think we have enough avenues out there that could maybe recommend you those recommendations anyway. So I don't need to add my name to that mm. list of recommendations and yeah, stuff. But yeah. again, you know, if I could make people realize that, look, there's this one obscure little thing that I think you should really watch it and I think it would worth your time. And if he or she really did watch it, it's my job is considered done. You know, I don't really like consider like the whole world have to watch that thing because I don't think they have... Uh, same time and same amount of like uh, 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 yeah I mean the same time that they can give towards watching stuff like us do yeah a lot of my friends they always tell me like I watch very artsy stuff and very yeah, indie what stuff is very artsy stuff it, I don't know, like, it's, it's because I'm the only I'm the film major within my friends who are right. like business and you know but yeah like back then I would I would watch a film and then I would want to write like a lengthy post. Correct. And I, I really want to talk I about it to. and you know, like I'm super excited. I used to do that. Then, I mean, I used to, like for people who know me personally, like back in my day, I mean, back in my day of like uh, shit posting on like Facebook status, I would like give out like one whole long paragraph, you know, the kind of stuff you have to press see more for it to like came out like few more paragraphs yeah, on the yeah, side. Yeah. And then I would usually accompany it with like an image or that kind of thing to like kind of like, I mean, it, it, it doesn't gain any more traction than I think it would, but I mean, at least for the four or five people who read it, and then if it makes those four or five people actually go and catch the film, I guess I'm, 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 I'm okay with that outcome, you know? It was, it was nice to let it out because I think that's where, it's also that, yeah. when we had a lot of energy to do it. Correct. But I usually would do that almost immediately after watching a film because, you know, my, you know, your brain is still processing the film in its entirety and then you're kind of like, okay. But like now we're getting older yeah. and then I think because I think we, it's could, it could be, it could be, it could be because we are looking at social media differently now correct. as well. I, I think it's really just, and, that. I think, I think we have evolved to a time when, you know, it hasn't changed since back in the day. Like film reviews could be found in like Twitter page, like summarizes in like two, three simple sentences. And then nowadays, if you have like other friends who are watching the same movie as you, as you think they would, and then, you know, they would watch Tenet and then they would just like post the IG story with a poster they always do anyway. And then they would post it and you know, you have to watch the thing. This thing is confusing as, as shit. I don't think I understand it. If that post gets seen by like 200 people, 300 people who would otherwise like, you know, one third of them would go to watch that movie anyway, it works. We are in that kind of like age now where we don't really like read lengthy reviews. I find myself reading less and less reviews anyways i don't really read much film reviews i don't really anymore. read reviews that yeah. much as well because 
especially for new movies uh, I don't want right. to I don't want to ruin my experience pa- of it partially because of that because I, I really do not want to know I mean I really train myself to not have that preconceived um, reception of how a film is I know what the film is about I do not know whether the film I do not want to know whether the film is good or bad until I've actually seen it but you can't help it these days because you know you, you'll see like a random blurb off Instagram and and all that and then it kind of like oh okay I think that film will be good therefore I will recommend this film to everyone and then when you watch the film I thought this film is going to be good because the reviews say the film is going to be good you know you have that preconceived notion of how a film is and I, I kind of like actively staying away from all that so uh, for me it's because I am it, it's, it's, a, it's partly because I'm lazy and also I don't want to share <laughs> too much of my life already Correct. I felt like that phase is already gone uh, when I've like actually messed with filters and colors and like want to make the post look super nice, especially on uh, Instagram. Yeah. But now, if I do want to share a movie or what, I if it's on Facebook, all I do is I share the trailer. Yeah. Um, the most that I would do if it's on Instagram, I would also like you. I would post the the poster. Correct. And then maybe a few words. Um, but yeah, if not, that's like that's all I do. Because yeah. I, I think you don't, as, as people like you and me, we watch a lot of films, so we don't want to oversell them as well. Yeah. Um, because uh, our friends, you know, they might not be inclined to watch the type of stuff that you and I watch. Correct. And so we want to just intrigue them a bit and then maybe they'll check it out because most of the time they, they probably just watch, you know, the, the usual kind of genres. Um, yeah. And, and, and the trailers kind of did half that job anyway. I mean, if you what we want to tell them about what the story is about, I mean, just watch the trailers, I guess. But if you're the kind that doesn't like, you know, doesn't want to watch the trailer because you think the film would be spoilery for you, but by all means, you know, I mean, but kudos to everyone and anyone of of you who still writes uh, reviews on like Facebook status. I know one, I know one or two particular person who, um, even to this day on my Facebook wall, still writes like really lengthy posts about films about film criticism and stuff. And I really enjoy reading those, Sebastian. I think I'm calling you out because you're, you're the only one who like writes those lengthy uh, Facebook reviews and stuff. And I really enjoy reading his reviews. Like he's, he's a really, really good writer to begin with. And um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I like to know what other people think of that particular thing. And he or she could pick up on the things that I missed on. And it's, it's, it's really, it's really, I mean, film criticism is one thing. And then, whether you like the film or not, it's another thing. It kind of reminds me why I like reading Roger Ebert's uh, uh, essays back in the day because his his reviews are not exactly those cookie cutter review of film because he really would just pour his heart, pour over his soul onto the page whenever he's writing about a film. And he wouldn't exactly describe what the plot is. He would like throw a line, okay, Ryan Gosling is in this film. But I won't exactly story you what the film is about, but then I'll tell you what I feel about the about about yeah. the film. Which is which is in essence the best thing, the, the best way to write a, a, a film essay. It's you know? not it's not the typical kind of movie review, Correct. gives you the plot, gives you the re, uh, the 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 great point or whatever. He every movie that he writes about, um it comes from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, either of his experience, of either the industry or like the people or the things that he know. And if you've uh, ever read his like reviews of the worst movies that oh, he's yeah. seen, um, there's this, like there's like collection of it online. It's it's his writing is just very funny. 
is very sharp, very on, very, very on point, and like he doesn't hold back at all. And the words he used, like it, it, it's it, 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 it's like the it kind of really... thing. It's the kind of words that you don't see a lot of people use these days. Correct. I mean, yeah. big words and stuff. I mean, yeah, he knows how to describe a very bad movie like very well. Correct. Yeah, correct. And um, yeah, it's I I really miss reading his writing sometimes. I it's it's something that I go back to every now and then, but. Yeah, his his. I mean, his his essays are in essence are not the type that uh you know ran like two three pages long. It's really just like you know, two hundred three hundred words, kind of a blurb, and it's like a spectacular review in a, in a way. Um. So right, but we're gonna move on to I don't know. Are we gonna talk about the the Pasau Kau movie? Oh my god! Do we do we have to? Okay, wait. Uh, well, 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 we well we talk about. Okay, that, so I'm gonna. gonna preface this first so the reason that we are debating if we want to talk about it is because yep. um i recently heard the review from goggler who yep. which is another uh movie uh tv podcast um it's with uh uma and uh ian, ian and, and, uh, and uh those guys you know they talk about movie all these stuff like uh what derek and i talk about a lot and yeah, it, shout out to Google. I really love those guys there actually. And their review for uh, the new uh, Netflix Malaysian movie Pasau Kau or what? All because of you. All because of you. It's, yes. It's 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 very funny, you know, just to listen to it, and then you know. <laughs> Should we give them like free advertising by shouting out their reviews? And <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, we're not gonna shout out the whole thing, but, but, yeah, but, um, but it, should it, we preface this by describing what exactly Pasal Kau is, or should we even um, need to? <laughs> you okay? So I, I couldn't really watch but, the whole thing. Correct. I really only like skip to certain parts, but <clears throat> even then, I already knew what get I was gonna get. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, Derek actually saw the whole thing. So uh, do you want to yeah. tell like what the short um, log line is? Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, written and directed by Adrian Tay. Adrian Tay is the director who first made a wave. Uh, with a film called Pascal back in like what two three years back I think, um and then he made even more wave with a second film called Weira, uh which is this like uh martial art action adventure movie kind of thing, and then he made uh Pascal Kau after that, he may have done uh, one or two other films in the middle, but I'm not too sure uh, what he did before Pascal or after Pascal. So Pasal Kau is basically, in an essence, we were talking about this like before even rolling, like how the best to describe it. And then you brought up Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. A film that is like, number one, very funny. And number two, has like a really this weird love triangle thing happening in the middle. And I would say it's a it's it's a 20% of Forgetting Sarah Marshall by using, you know, the film plots and stuff meets the third half of Die Hard. Die Hard in a hotel. Die Hard in a in a in a in a in a Joho in a Joho hotel somewhere. Desaru Coast, if it's specifically the thing. Which so it's a the, which actually like this sounds like a baffles me a little bit if that people are still doing a Die Hard of something. Correct. It's, I guess it's been a while, right? That we have not seen a genre in a long while. Yeah, I, I would usually say, I would it's say there's that. Die Hard in a office building, Die Hard on a ship, <laughs> Die Hard on a on the road, like speed. Yes, I don't know, yes, yes, right? yes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's the same system that that um, I guess producers and filmmakers have always used because it's a it's a formula that almost never fail. I yeah. guess you know it's a it, it, it executed right. It can be a really fun, mm. um, while uh, laughable popcorn movie. Thing yeah. to watch on a Friday night. I think because of its one location, it's self-contained. 
and yep. you can really like <clears throat> utilize like, every inch of the area you know throw you in play. like some really memorable characters and some really quotable lines and you got yourself a classic <laughs> like i mean really it's it's one of those like checklist boxes that you have to tick off to make a film like this unfortunately pasal cow is not about that so pasal cow <laughs> pasal cow is literally not any of that quality that i mentioned so far um Pasoko is uh is about this guy called Ayman. Okay, he is played by uh uh this actor named Hyrule Lazrin. He who people would be familiar with because he's the main lead character in Pascal and Weira as well. He's this this hunky, beefy physique actor, uh who is very well known in like commercials and stuff. He has been like like some of the spots as well, and uh, yeah, so he plays this slightly chubby. I'm I do not want to say fat. Because that's what they want you to say. Because he is a kind of a chubby, fat character with a, like a. It bowl looks like he's wearing hair. a fat suit. Though. I don't know. Um, he is, he is, right. is. So and then he has like bowl cut hair. I mean, he doesn't look that uh uh attractive to the other gender, so to speak. You know, so they almost like pre-program that character to be that way. <clears throat> look kind of like a bit callous and a bit um um you know a bit of a. A bit, a bit of a loser, basically. Correct, yeah. And who works at who works in the hotel. So, you know, he um his female colleague has a crush on him, who is played by this one actress who I kinda like forgot her name for Jan- a bit. Jana Nick? Jana oh, Nick. Oh, Jana Nick. Oh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Jana Nick plays that woman. And um uh you have like other collections of uh characters who are working in the same hotel as well, who I believe are the same ensemble characters who are in Pascal as well. You know, that Indian guy and then there's a Chinese dude. Um, they were playing like various characters, you know, the Indian, um, there's an Indian guy played uh, a kind of a lifeguard kind of a thing, swimming pool lifeguard, and then there's a guy who's a cook, and then there's a guy uh, who's in charge of the admins and stuff. <clears throat> and then finally, you have Namron who plays the hotel manager. Namron, you know, that's like the name which I'm like quite surprised when I see, him, uh, when I see the name. <clears throat> so, you know, they all, all were good, you know. Um, the girl had like a, a crush on Ayman, and uh, one fine day, there's this like three ladies who check into the hotel. Um, on the same day, they they got news that uh that the tengku, some famous tengku, dropping by the hotel because there's this whole bit where Namron's character, uh, the, the hotel manager really wanted five star rating on the hotel. So the reason is that they have to like make sure the tengku's visit is all properly taken care of, and he has the nicest room and. His visit is all nice because he wanted the Tengku to give the hotel five star rating to boost up the tourist uh, uh rates mm. over in that resort. Yep, yep. And it's uh a, it's a, and here's the spoiler. Um oh, it, eventually correct. the three ladies Essentially, yeah. I mean it's not really a spoiler because it, it's it? all in the trailers, I believe. I yeah, believe okay. it's all in the trailers. So I, basically uh so, people, I mean the three ladies they come um, to sort of kidnap this correct they, they basically hold the hotel uh, guests as hostage and then on uh on a, on a bit of like kidnapping the tengku in on a, in order to money ransom and all that stuff so you know the three the three ladies are equipped with like uh, uh rifle guns and all that stuff trying to take over the hotel basically and then it's up to these guys Ayman and his gangs of other people to basically trying to stop that from happening and in the, in the process, there's this whole love story that's like burgeoning between um, Ayman and the girl who's played by uh, Jana Nick. So essentially, that's the story. You know, you have all this. I mean, you have like the, the second act and the third act, which I won't bore you the details of how the film plays out, but I think you kind of know where the film's going to go anyway. And uh, it's, it's... 
I I I like I like I told you I can't um I can't speak about this film without getting slightly annoyed or even anger in the most ways because the film the film has the correct ingredient I would say but it's just not one of those films that's executed the way you wanted it to be. They could have just they could have had so much fun with the script and the collection of characters which are quite decent on camera. Yeah. Acting wise, not sending. I mean, acting I think skills. it has to do with the directing a bit. Because every yeah. time, I feel like every time when a Malaysian movie, uh, a Malaysian comedy movie, yeah, um, is playing, it always seems like they really play into the tropes. Correct. Um, I don't know if it's from the director who's telling them to play it this way, or like the yeah. actors. You know, they're so used to do like doing this type of comedy, like that's all they know. But yeah. like, you know, comedy has like different levels. If you play it straight, it's also comedic, you know, it can also be funny. It is. But yes. when they play it to the point where it borders onto slapstick or like just fart jokes, you know, and it's not even funny, it's not even American Pie type of funny, <laughs> then it's just, it's just bad, you know. This film definitely has one or two things that you just mentioned, you know, fart jokes and, 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 and being not really funny at executing those fart jokes because the fart jokes literally happened twice in the film. If I remember correctly, it would be like being in a scene where three of them are in an elevator and then uh, being held hostage by one of the ladies and then um, one of the characters would just fart out. A, a, a little it's, it's fart. A, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a kind of thing that you you won't see in, in, in modern comedies even in these days. You know, it's a kind of thing that would exist like in the early 90s, the mid 90s, those kind of like throwaway comedy films and and I don't know why it exists in you know it's a Netflix original film by Malaysia it even has Netflix mempersembahkan it has, proudly has in the front. Netflix logo and it, it, has the it, famous it, it, at the it, beginning it has everything it has everything it has the I'm, I'm assuming it has the right budget I'm assuming the script must have received some form of Yes, from the studio or from represent representative from Netflix, wherever they are. But I do not know. I mean, I'm all I'm all up for Netflix, um, bringing up contents and buying up contents on their side. But sometimes there's just some contents you don't just execute because of yeah. like you you want to say shit. Okay, maybe Malaysia would use maybe maybe the way they do it is like they have like some like research team and I look at Malaysia like the kind of films that we consume. Okay. The box office films. The box office films are usually comprises of those films which are like this comedic, um, um, spectrum. It's like really like slapstick comedy. So they must have deduced the fact that maybe they like those kind of films. So maybe we would just give money to this one dude, and then he could keep making this film, sort of like this whole Adam Sandler movies thing, which yeah, will keep existing forever and ever as long as Netflix exists. You know, it's kind of how I see it as well. I don't think Netflix is wrong in this. Yeah, it's just that you know. They're, they're, they're such a big uh, platform, you know, there's no way they can focus on everything. Yeah. But they do have the money. And so I think they're just looking at the people like Adrian Tay. Okay, he's done Pascal. Okay, yes. he has some, he has a good credential. Yes. Pascal looks good. So let's just make him the director. And then I guess, I don't know who hired the writers. Yeah. Uh, either him or, you know, they just sort of got into the job. Yeah. And then I think Netflix in, somehow just sort of you know because netflix is known for just giving you creativity um, mm. um and the space to to yep. do it so it's not like they're gonna qc you a lot 
But yeah. in doing in in <clears throat> that freedom, in um the the cost of that freedom is that what <laughs> you get are people who think they can write comedy. Correct. But instead, are reverting back to very old stereotype and style of jokes that just doesn't work today anymore. And then you know it's on the platform that everyone is seeing. So it's yeah. not exactly like painting the best picture for like for Malaysian made. Netflix film, mm-hmm. you know? The original story apparently came from uh, Hyrule Azrin, you know, the lead actor. I mean, I saw, like, the Chirita Asal was credited to his name, and then the script is written by, uh, um, I could I could have forgot, Anwar, something, something, Anwar, yeah, yeah. and also Shamin Othman. And Shamin Othman, that yes, correct. a lot of so people they know the co-writers about. For the, for the script. And then, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those cases where um, it, it's one of those cases where Adrian Adrian Tay probably would like to ex, uh, extend his directing capabilities. You know, he has done actions. He has done like actions that did really well in the box office, and maybe he it's his like taking a break kind of those films, kind of a film. You know, he's like, oh, I'm 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 like done doing action films, and let me just do this like really light romantic comedy that have uh fart jokes and um um uh kind of a slightly homophobic tone as well if I detect properly it's really not pleasant to look at and it's really not some of those jokes they really doesn't land um, you couldn't believe every word that the characters are saying because the lines people don't say those lines anymore and uh, it's some of the actings are just not that good in place you know, even though I mean it may work in Pascal it may work on paper but sometimes those kind of lines need to be executed by a capable actor or actresses, you know, that kind of a thing. And yeah. the villains, the villains is just not good. And then I mentioned Dane Syed is in the film. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so The famous Dane yeah. Syed. <laughs> yeah, we were talking slightly about this character before we started rolling, but again, I won't bore you with the details. You can kind of like catch out the movie if you want to spot him in the I scenes think it's, that he's I think in. it's very easy to fix the movie. You know, just change <laughs> a bit of the writing. Yeah. Make the actors play it straight. Don't make them be funny, you know. When make Dane Side the villain. He's actually a very decent villain in yeah, other, other yeah. films as well. So, you know, he could be a... Which I really thought he's a villain in the film until he's not. Yeah, I mean, not. he could be like a, one of those surprise villains. Like, you know, he was, he was there all along. And Yeah. I mean, look. I mean, if we're really taking this out of context and then we take a look at the cast list, you know, Hyrule Azrin, good, solid actor. Amiral Effendi is someone who I really personally admire throughout the years. And then he's played like all this. He's he's He has that amazing range to play like very he's, different he's sort of characters he's very good in dramatic roles he's very very but good I think when he does comedy he, he, can he has pushing, like this, yeah. this familiar space that he Correct. only goes into already yeah. right? I, and I think he knows that as well and I think he plays that to the ninth degree and in the film you have Namron you have Namron like one of the who I regard as one of the best actors that we will ever have in our, in our country and he's playing a really this flamboyant hotel manager who has a thing for Amira of Andy's character I, I won't go on to describe but it, you have all these talents on screen and it's not being executed really well in a script that really doesn't go anywhere in a genre that really doesn't you know it, 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 in a genre which it doesn't really gave much respect to because it, it, at times it really doesn't know what it wants to do it wants to become like a full-blown action thing by the third half and it has this like weird romantic triangle love story thing happening in the middle in the first chapter and then you have this very bloated very um, weird film that really goes nowhere 
and then the the plot's not that strong. And, well, um, and there's also the animation at the end. Oh, the fight, the fighting third act <laughs> climax animation, <laughs> which came out of nowhere as well. There, there is a couple of animations here that I remember. There's like two or three um animation sequences in the film, and then. The, the the most notable one is the one at the end where it's like they would literally meet up you know most of the characters the, the characters would meet they, up they on have a beach. Like, a, like a showdown at the showdown. beach and the camera would cut the like a the like animation sequence on how they actually fought and, <laughs> and like and, that's a clever way to save budget but okay or like the reason is that the actors just can't fight they just can't like, fight <laughs> yeah I mean I mean I mean it's like you know Adrian Tate made both Pascal and Weera like fighting fight sequences is almost not a stranger to his uh, skill set and I think he's he he did that as a part of a joke almost like it's part of like oh I'm not gonna show like a full on scene. There's even a scene, um, uh, act, the actor Yayan Ruhian, who is uh, most well known as Mad Doc in um those great films, he appeared in the film. He's he's part of the cast as well. He um he appeared as this like hotel cook kind of a thing. So he appeared in one scene, like no one or two scenes, and then he has this. He has this bit where he always says things that are a bit too sharp, you know, itu tajam, ini tajam here, just like walk away as like this tough macho dude. And then there's like one scene where the he cross path with with the with the with the with the, with one of the ladies and then and then he'll be like he'll go into his like silat stance, which we're very familiar with if we watch like those raid films. And then he'll just like uh uh and then one of the girls reply like, Oh no no no, the girls didn't reply anything. He he she just shot a few shots in the air and then the camera cuts back to him. Uh, resume back to normal stance, and he just uh, and then he just says something like, "Oh, itu tajam." He just walk the other way, and then he just like quickly escapes the other way. It's like a joke of like, "Oh, I'm not gonna mess with that." He has a gun. She has a gun. My fist is not gonna do anything. That whole scene, I'm I'm like, I'm like simultaneously mind blown of how um, inadequately it's written. One and like. Like you would insert a capable actor like him in a in a scenes like this, almost like a butt of a joke kind of thing, and then you would ask it, ask yourself, why, why would you, why would you pull off decisions like this? Why would you write scenes like this? And I had the same feeling on like ninety percent of the scenes that are presented in the film, and I, I, yeah, I have no more words against this film. A, it's a big question. It's um, a really big question. Um, it's almost like you know, I I had in my mind, it's almost like. His idea, Adrian Tay's idea of like, look, let's just get all my castmates and all my crew members that I work with in uh, uh, in both Pascal and Weera, and let's just give them a holiday job, a literal holiday job. Let's just go to a hotel resort in like Johor and spend like three or four months there, maybe less. Just cash I don't know. it in, and you know, just cash it in. You you know what? We'll we'll set all those scenes within the confines of the hotel. We we'll shoot scenes on the beach. We won't go anywhere else. But the hotel, so I guess that's really on the paper when he's really pitching it to whoever represented Netflix, and he got it. You know, he he. It's an ingenious way to pitch a film, I guess. I, but again, it's a when you have that kind of a cast and that kind of a budget and that kind of a technical expertise, I expect you to to have after completing two films, which are you know quite well regarded in the action film scene and. It, it, the film doesn't really amount to anything. I mean, at the least you could do is write decently and write decent characters and write decent plot for the film to even make sense. Well, you know? we have um, we have a lot of ways to go. If you want to just talk about writing, definitely another topic for another day. But um, 
if you are interested to see how bad it is, it is playing on Netflix now. Uh, Pasal Kau. Yeah. Uh, all because of you. Uh, Netflix original uh, Malaysian made. You know, support local movies. You know, that's what we say. But um, As, this to, one, to, we, we might have to give a pass. Yeah. To, to end this, I'm going to quote this like this spectacular final paragraph that uh, Uma Pagan wrote uh, in uh, Goggler describing this film. Basically, there's like a one paragraph thing. Um, he basically wrote, and I quote, calling this movie a train wreck will be underselling how bad it actually is. This is Chernobyl. This is SARS. This is the time I try to make a souffle. This is Boeing 747 crashing to a Haywood Fall, triggering an earthquake that causes California to break away from the continental US and sink into the Pacific. You know? Very eloquently written. And, and, <laughs> and um, you know, and he described some other things you could do that are more fun than watching Pasalka, you know, uh, drinking a bottle, hand sanitizer is one of them. <laughs> you know, to, it's it's really so check it out. So yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I mean, if you're in it for, if you think you have like two hours of like time, you don't mind wasting. I and you want to see that you're curious at the state or of like Malaysian film. If you just want to have like stupid laughs, you know, with your friends, you know, this, just just watch it. Yeah, this would be a perfect film in order to screen in a cinema full of like uh, Malaysian media practitioners and stuff for them to really see where how far we've gone to I really just want to see the reactions in a face you know what the fear is the fear is that they might actually like it <laughs> I mean yeah I mean it's um, yeah take it as and you will and then like yes we have to make more <laughs> of this Gosh, yeah. <laughs> we love so, this type of uh, co- comedy movies but yeah. Uh, yeah I mean by looking at films like this and um, uh, you know um, thinking of how their uh, last output that they made um, in the form of Ghost Bright, you know, directed by both Ho Yu Hang and Quick. Um, judging by this kind of material and Pasanka, I was like kind of wondering what other contents they have in store in our region specifically. So I'm really curious what kind of things are they cooking up in the, in the marketing team and the writer's room and, and whatnot or are they even doing anything about it and you know I'm really curious on whoever's pitching stuff in Netflix nowadays yeah um, I, I don't have anything much to add <laughs> um, yeah I think we'll just end it there um, yeah. right now I guess we're let's just make, let's make Police Evil mini series like whoever else haven't been Police Evil pitch- no, I think, yeah, I think I mean, we've, we've milked that enough with you I mean, look Kale Gangster uh, underground, you know the spin-off films of the the popular franchise. I guess you know, Kill Underground has like a lot of franchises, and um, from iFlix, I think I have seen the first season. The first season is actually really, really solid. I remember watching it, and it's like six episodes of this like really tightly written sets of characters. You know, there's like a trailer uh, that kind of like acts as an extended universe to what a Kill Kale Gangster Universes and it's actually really decent I remember the, the acting is decent the writing is quite decent the way they shot it technically everything is like precise and I wonder why couldn't they really replicate the same thing on like whatever they want to do on Netflix so I mean maybe tell. they are you know you yeah. just gotta really find the right formula you know yeah true um, okay uh, do we wanna give anything to recommend at the end or like look forward to I mean I've seen Pasal and Kao I don't think I'm going to recommend that film to anyone. But I mean, if you're, uh, um, again, like I say, if you're curious of how our film industry have evolved so far and have been on an international stage such as Netflix, 
do give that a watch, I guess. Um, but otherwise, I would actually ask you to stay away from the film and watch other better films like you know, Muxin and <laughs> and all the other films. You know, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, record, I mean, I've not seen Pascal and Weera yet. Have you? Have you seen? I have not. Um, yeah. I mean, those two films are on Netflix. By it the is. Way. Yeah, it's on yeah. there. Um, it's available. You can definitely yeah. check it out. Um, yeah, I, I, I probably would watch Pascal and Weera to kind of like cleanse whatever happened in Pascal and Cover. But yeah, it's probably most probably. <laughs> All right. Um, I think. We uh, we've, I think we've spoken quite a lot. Uh, you know, we always yeah. say we want to keep that episode short, but here we yeah. are again on the again, fifty a... minute mark. Yep. Um, Anything you want to recommend for the upcoming weeks and stuff? I don't really have any. An upcoming week. I mean, we're in the month of October. I have Blind Manor coming this Friday. Um, Haunting of Blind Manor. I really cannot wait to watch that series. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Actually, there's a lot more other great films coming out in a uh, great horror movies are coming on Netflix on this month month of Halloween basically oh, yeah, yeah yeah very I don't know if Halloween 2 is coming out but probably not so soon I think they they have already shot it I think but because yeah, of COVID yeah. situation they might have pushed it speaking of films being pushed this really just cute quick one Dune got pushed to next October yep yep so bad news for Dune fans I mean I really am looking forward for that film in November but here we are being pushed to 2021 we'll just, we'll just watch it uh, when it's safe again yeah I was like looking through the Warner Brothers release calendar so you're gonna have like next year 2021 you would have Dune in October and Matrix the new Matrix by the Wachowskis on December so those are two really really good months to speak about in 2021 yeah, we definitely expect a lot of blockbusters next year and yeah. uh, I think we'll maybe we'll do something horror related for this month since oh, it's no. October anyway yeah um yeah we'll see how maybe we'll do it with the guests as well hopefully um but check please it, call us please call yeah uh check out our past episodes you know things that we've done before yeah it definitely help us uh when we have uh when we know that you know you uh appreciate what we are doing and uh yeah. we're gonna sharing a podcast episode is not hard on spotify very sure yeah that and hard, uh, we're so. gonna have our film club episode soon coming up yeah. uh, it's gonna be another sort of local film but uh mm. not it's not malaysia but you know our, on our, from our neighbors across the across the sea mm. uh, i have not seen the film you have seen the film i've right? seen the film already derek hasn't but uh yeah. we're gonna talk about it and hopefully we're gonna have another third voice <coughs> to uh you know hopefully. to talk about it with us but yeah, yeah it's gonna be exciting and uh thank Thank you to everyone, you know, to who are supporting us uh, so far. We know it's not been easy. Um, people have changed interests, uh, you know, a lot during <laughs> lockdown and all that. But um, the podcast world is hopefully trying to stay afloat. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a very niche um, sector to begin with. Anyway, yeah. at, at least in outside of the show, you know, I'm not too sure of other parts of the world, but yeah, I, I think I think we're doing quite okay I mean, mm. in terms of like um other communities and other podcasters and stuff yeah continue to share uh if you like it share the love and uh and yeah just be safe uh don't go out so much just stay at home and enjoy your netflix yeah yeah um as always uh my name is garrick and my name is eric and thanks for listening we'll catch you very soon again <laughs> bye
Thank you.